Holy smokes, it's Friday already. Christmas is almost here. There's only two days left during the week of awesome here. We're gonna kick the weekend off with our conversation with Patrick from Tracks of the Damned right here on awesomepodcast.com. This week's edition of Everything is Awesome. I am your host, Kev, and this is the show where we sit down and talk to awesome people about awesome things. This week's guest, uh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, the only thing I'm disappointed in is that I didn't get to him sooner because uh, it would have been a perfect uh, bonus Monday episode for Halloween this past uh, week or so ago. Uh, well, actually, by the time this airs, probably a couple weeks ago, but regardless, um, found, finding this podcast uh, was like, oh my god, this is like my Halloween, this is my month of October, where I like to sit around and watch movies, uh, Halloween movies all, or horror movies in general, every single day, and like just talk about them and write about them and whatnot. And when I found this podcast, like it was uh, right around when the Scream episode started to drop. And uh, after listening, to, that's where I started. I listened to the to the first Scream one. And li- after listening to our guest this week talk about Scream, I instantly knew we were going to have a great conversation <laughs> uh, because very much uh, it sounds like our guest this week. Uh, if you've listened to me and Gary, uh, our very first guest on this podcast, talk. Uh, the the Scream movie, specifically the first one, uh, was kind of not necessarily my entry point into horror, but it was when I was in my formidable years of, of you know movies and whatnot. And uh, Scream means the world to me. Uh, not, I, I'm not as um, uh, I am not as well educated when I talk about it, or I don't sound like it as our guest this week. But let's kick right to it from Tracks of the Damned, the host Patrick. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Uh, yes, you're quite welcome. Uh, when I see, I love horror movies. Uh, and it, it all started actually because of a one year uh, at Christmas, I was watching some terrible B Christmas movies and I was like, you know, obviously this is what horror movies are like. I, and they were all like horror themed. Like, I think it was like this Bill Goldberg Christmas movie. Santa's sleigh. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's not, it's pretty good. <laughs> yes. It was, and yeah, I mean, I say horrible B movies, but I, I love them dearly. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it started with that and uh, Hulk Hogan's Santa with Muscles. Okay. I haven't seen that one. <laughs> that, well, it's not, that one's probably more out of your realm as far as like, it's not horror. It's I, yeah. Just... I think there's an intersection there, though. I think there is a, there is a muscly Santa subgenre that has to, like, at some point someone thought, oh, it's a funny comedy, but also, I think. I think that person secretly like had a muscly santa fetish <laughs> like it seems like too specific an image for yeah, someone yeah. To, for to just keep happening over and over again i think if we were to search reddit we would find a subreddit <laughs> about like great muscly santa pics and like close-ups of like red velvet and like biceps bulging out of it in in 2016 uh, i'm not surprised that that like what isn't a fetish at this point you know yeah yeah i mean and god bless those people you know <laughs> like i'm yes. glad that they have santa slay and santa with muscles 
Yeah, I, I I remember one Chris. I was I think it was Christmas Day. I ended up watching Santa's. It was before I had kids, uh, and I think I was single at the time. So like, I went to my parents' house for Christmas, and before I took my nap uh, after breakfast and doing gifts and whatnot, I I went on demand. I saw Hulk Hogan, Santa with muscles. I'm watching this, and uh, it was just a it was such a joy to watch the incredible train wreck that movie was. Uh, but that I was like, you know what, this this all like this to me is like what October is about. Like I should be watching horror movies, and I have yet to have a successful year of watching thirty one um, Halloween or horror movies uh, since I started this probably about two or three years ago. But um, it's uh, I love horror movies, and it sounds like uh, I'm gonna guess based off of you know uh, listening to your scream commentary and the, specifically the beginning of it, you're probably in your like late twenties, early thirties. Yeah, absolutely. I'm 28. It's okay. Yeah, so I'm 32. Uh, I consider even though I lived most you know more 80s than I did, and I still consider myself a child of the 90s because that's when like I knew like that's what I was like able to remember like i don't remember anything from the 80s right so uh except for maybe like i think like the i guess turtles technically was late 80s and you know back to the future but i don't know if i necessarily remember it from the 80s i just remember it because i watched it all the time when i was a kid in the 90s yeah it, it there, there's some bleed over when it comes to cultural artifacts especially if it's like oh we have this et video cassette but I didn't watch it until 1991. But to me, yeah, that was yeah. just like what my childhood was. So yeah, and I mean, you're uh, like, especially with the scream movies and horror movies in general. You know, that's not something you're necessarily watching as a kid. You're more of a teenager, and that is truly like the for me the like late 90s. You know, is is when I started watching those type of films. And uh, Scream was right around there. Like it was what like 96. 96 okay so that was i was 12 years old i probably watched i probably honestly watched that right around not in theater but probably when it came out on vhs or dvd whatever was out back then um and listening to you uh not only intro that um that episode for scream but listening to i i actually uh i i almost i was i was listening to it the other day i, I didn't finish it because i fell asleep watching the movie because uh, it was like 11 o'clock at night. Sure, that's a long uh, – for a horror movie, that's a long movie. Yeah, and you know, I never noticed how long it was until you pointed it out. Like, <laughs> it's never ever clicked. And I, honestly, never noticed, I never noticed how long they were until I decided I was going to do all of them. And, you know, I'm, my, my show is a commentary track podcast, yeah. so I do commentary tracks for horror movies. So, like, film length is really important because when you are doing a commentary track, you run out of things to say real quick. And then – so, like – you know, the previous longest movie I had done was like about a hundred minutes, and those movies are all close to two hours. But and I honestly like I enjoy every single one of those movies. Uh, obviously, they get a little campy. Uh, oh yeah. But I, you know, sticking with the first one, like listening to you talk about it, and I'm sure like when I go back and listen to your archives, and and because that's that's the guy I usually am. I usually find either an episode one I need to start at. Um, or because like you're not doing something that's necessarily episodic in storytelling, uh, I find you know in interview shows or in a commentary track, like I find something that I just really want to listen to, and Absolutely, like scream, yeah. scream jumped up at me right away. So listening to how you not only break it down before you start the movie, but 
break it down while you're commentating throughout the movie. It is like me. I'd be like that movie. Good. <laughs> like I would be such like an, un- I would sound like an uneducated asshole. Just a super, I would sound like a super fan. Whereas you like break it down, like very, like you're a teacher almost like you're, you're breaking it down. So are, w- let's, let's start with like your origins when it comes to, um, the horror movie or movies in general. Like, is that something you've had an interest in your whole life? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, as far as horror movie goes, it's kind of close to your story. Like, Scream was the first one. Like, we were at a, we were at some timeshare in the middle of Texas. Uh, it was our, my family and my older sister went to the counter, and you know, they they let you rent out a VCR and they let you rent out videotapes, <laughs> and uh, they let us rent Scream, and we didn't tell our parents we were watching Scream, so we were just uh, like, we're gonna be watching a movie in the other room, and you know, God knows what my parents were doing during that time, but like, we were <laughs> in the room, we're like, shh. And then my, you know, my sister is four years older than me. She goes, "You're not going to be scared, too scared, right?" And I go, "No, no, no, I'll be okay." And of course, I was terrified. So that was like, but I mean, also, you know, in video stores, um, in uh, Houston, we had a video store that was connected to a grocery store, and okay. my mom, you know, she wouldn't want like she'd be going grocery shopping, and she would take me along, and she would go, "Oh, do you want to just like wait in the video store for me?" You know, so I'm not bothering her and like bring her hundred boxes of cereal and shit. So like. You know, I'd wander the video store and the the aisle with the most interesting boxes and the most interesting pictures in the back of the boxes was horror. So even like at a young age, I was just sort of like just drawn to these images of Freddy Krueger and like imagining like, what the hell is this movie? You know, Um, so but yeah. And then as far as film, it's just been sort of a long developing thing. I'm also a huge comedy fan, and I saw Duck Soup, the Marx Brothers movie. Okay, and that was it. Was on AFI did like a hundred funniest movies uh, special, and I saw a clip of that, and I was like, "Oh wow, that looks good!" And I watched a whole bunch of those AFI hundred funniest movies, and it sort of like reminded me, or it didn't remind me. It sort of it like planted the idea in my head. Oh, you can like. I'm even though I'm a kid, like I can like old movies. You know, Duck Soup's 1932. You know, <laughs> like I can like movies that my parents consider old. There's still something I could like about them. Um, so like from then on, I just sort of like, all right, well, what else is there to do? And then I saw Annie Hall, the Woody Allen film, and that is that is like an encyclopedia of uh, film techniques. He sort of uses every um, technique you can in the book, and but he uses it all for jokes. So it was it really translated for me. Uh, you know, because I was you know twelve or whatever, but you know I know what a one liner is, and I knew what a good joke was, and there was a ton of good jokes in that movie. So, and then from then on, I, I was sort of interested in film. Yeah, it's, it's um for me like because I my interest in film I ha- was always just as a fan. Like it sounds because you again. I think that would be the difference in our commentary is yeah. that you you break it down as almost like it, it, is is this something you do. Like outside of the podcast, is are you uh, either like working towards something with film, or is this um, you know just the podcast that is what you do film stuff for? I mean, as far as like that sort of thing, I just you just get there eventually once you've watched a lot of movies, and and like most of my friends that I have are people who watch a lot of movies and are into movies, so most of the discussions I end up having are about movies and. Uh, I mean, I'm not a film critic. I'm not a. Uh, I'm not working towards that. I'm not writing a book or anything. I had a podcast before Tracks of the Dam called Directors Club, um, and that was a uh, film podcast where we sort of watched a different director's films every episode and would discuss that director. 
and that ended up being like a film school for me because there was a lot of uh there was a lot of films that I hadn't seen uh particularly like foreign films and uh older films and I was and then suddenly you know it I had two weeks to become an expert on uh Pedro Almodovar you know I had two weeks to become an expert on Samuel Fuller and because it's a podcast like you better have something to say other than I like that movie or else it's not interesting so that sort of developed the way I process movies now is I they go in you know they they go in through my eyes and ears and then the way they enter my brain is through like thinking critically about them as opposed to just sort of passively enjoying them and that's like something that I saw when or not saw listened to like that I was like holy crap and I I don't know if like I'm hoping that it's for your sake that it's not like the for the four movies of, of scream that you had to do this for each episode but um, I'm sure it's for each franchise at least. You did something that's like 15 hours of prep to to record your scream ca- uh, commentary. Yeah, well, there's well the good thing is there's a lot of the good and bad thing is there's a lot of preparation overlap. Which is there's a documentary about the making of the first film, but there's also a documentary that covers the rest of the sequels. And there's a there's a good book called Down to Dirty Pictures, which is about the um, about sort of the rise of the independent film throughout the 90s. So it covers Miramax, covers Kevin Smith's films, you know, covers Tarantino, all that sort of thing. And, you know, Scream was part made by Dimension, which is a studio offshoot of Miramax. So it had the making of that. And basically, again, once you have two hours to fill with your voice, and I talk kind of fast, like, you better have a lot of info. So I over-prepared. And I definitely didn't do 15 for each uh, movie, but I, I, I would say it tapered off. I But... That first screen, especially screen one's really important to me. So I want that commentary yeah, to be really yeah, good. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have chosen a podcasting form where I have to put a lot of effort in in order to produce something good. Like the nice thing about podcast is generally speaking, you can just sort of like let whatever happens happen and people enjoy it. But I, I guess I like making things hard on myself. So I, I choose the one that requires all of the research. But well, uh, by I- the time I got to like Scream 4, I'd say my – my like preparation was down to like six hours, which is still an insane amount of time. Like for me at most preparation for me is, a, yeah. And now with your podcast would end up being about six hours. If I truly did my full preparation, which I never do this show, I like to attack and my listeners know uh, with basically little to no knowledge about my guests. So that it's just an honest conversation. Right. Uh, but I, you know, with fellow podcasters, I'd like to listen to, you know, anywhere from one to three episodes of their podcast. Uh, so I usually put in at most three to six hours. Yeah, that's how much I listen. I listen to three episodes of your podcast. So. Yeah, it's it's actually like an unwritten rule that yeah. I read somewhere. It's like you you do about three episodes to get to know the the, the person that you're either going to be a guest on or who you're going to have on as a you guest. Did, like you recommended a, uh, an episode I listened to, so I listened to that. I listened to the most recent, and then I just chose another one that seemed interesting. Yeah, and that's you know I I just got into the idea of like recommending ones uh, because I guess I read it somewhere. I was like, yeah, you know, and like that one is just in particular because it's like the most famous. And I shouldn't I don't like to use that term because I I don't this my show is not about talking to famous people. It's talking about interesting, awesome people. Right. But like, uh, so the proper word is someone who I admire. Like Aaron McGathy is someone who I just truly admire. Like in in the world of like where scream is like your like 
your movie for for horror, uh, and same with me. But like to trans, my passion is podcasting to 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 um, a fault. Uh, and so I have like three podcasters that I just truly admire and to get Aaron McGathy on as one of them, uh, it was just like, holy crap. Like I'm dying. Someone's making my, like I'm a make a wish kid right now. Uh, and it was just really cool to sit down and talk to her. And I don't know for me, I think what makes that episode so great is that I, you know, before we connected, uh, anyone that hasn't listened to that episode yet, I hit record before uh, we connected and with very little editing, the pre-intro to that show is basically me being a nervous little teenager uh, and like having a pep talk. Uh, and I think that's what makes that episode so great, in my opinion, is that I just give like both sides of the like, here's me being nervous. I hit record with McGathy and let's go. Yeah, you find even within the even within the format of an interview show, you found an arc. Yeah. Mm. And. Uh, yeah, so that's one of my favorites. And I always, unless until I get Kevin Smith, uh, on, that will probably always be the show that I I recommend because it's just, uh, I think it's just a very honest interview, uh, to both like who I am as an interviewer and, and, um, I guess, I don't know, just a very interesting person to talk to. Um, and then I don't usually, all the other ones are like, I, I, whatever I guessed on the show, like I, I happen to guest on other interview shows, obviously. So it's always like, well, I'm the show you listen to if you want to like go down like the uh, like the 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 less worthy uh, paths of podcasts. Like I, I every podcast I'm on is like, you guys are so great. Like I don't know how I'm doing this successfully yet. You know, forty episodes in, but I am. Uh, so, but anyway, um, wild tangent there. Uh, as we usually do on the show, where do we let's let's so let's go back to you. So, is, do you have um like an interest in fil- like being a filmmaker or anything, or or is this strictly like you just love to watch movies and you just happen to get really analytical about it? I do, I do, I don't think, and there's probably people out there who would uh, who would disagree with me, but I don't think you can really love movies without wanting to touch them <laughs> in a way like okay, yeah, I, yeah, like yeah. eventually you've seen so many movies and you have so many things like oh i wish they had just but if only you know i've never seen in a movie where they and then like you begin to formulate like well in my movie and it's not a real thing because movies mm. are you know podcasting is is you sit down so in front of your computer someone else sits down in front of their computer Sometimes if you're lucky, you're both sitting down in front of the same computer and you have a conversation and, you know, you you hit record, you hit stop. Like filmmaking, the logistics of getting people together and getting different people's skills. And it's like, well, why are they there? It's like, are you paying them? Okay, how are you getting that money? You know, like the logistics of actually making films is insane. And you can think in your head, oh, I can make a better movie. But like the actual process of directing a movie is this feat. And in the back of my head, I definitely always think like, yeah, I could make a movie. And I have, you know, I've, I've like written a script. My partner is an actor. So that like helps. Cause I like, well, I live with someone who can be in front of the camera and I can be behind the camera and that's half of it right there. So, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I, it's not a uh, career goal of any sort. I mean, and it's nice. We do live in an era where I think you can be a uh, hobbyist filmmaker. So I would, I can, and I've, I've made shorts in the past, so I can see myself making more. Yeah, I mean that's the one good thing that you know. I, I would say you're definitely more millennial than I uh, than I am. You know that I'm right on that border of Gen X or <laughs> millennial. Uh, but being in this uh, new media age is what I I've always called it. Is um, 
is great because it is and truly i mean you can make a, a movie on your phone now like it's not unheard of yeah uh, the, I forget for the name of the movie, but there was a, a Sundance movie either this year or last year that was filmed on an iPhone five. I think no, it was uh, uh, it was Tangerine. Yeah, it was Tangerine. That's great, the one. Beautiful, and it was a beautiful looking movie too. Yeah, and it's I mean I and I, reading that because me and my buddy, um, you know we he's also like he's the actor and like I didn't realize I wanted to do something with film until I was probably about twenty seven twenty eight years old, uh, so right around your age, you know for, that was four years ago for me. My son was uh, just born and like it's always a thing for me like well you know eventually I'll do it but the kids are too young for me to really get involved with this right now. Um, but I feel like, and it was all because of Kevin Smith, and it was more so not even him, because I was even say as 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 of four years ago, he was done touting. You know what? You want to make a movie? Go ahead and make a movie. Uh, you know, he was more so touting. You want to do a podcast? Make a podcast. And you know, I've been doing podcasts since two thousand and seven. So like that was like, well, I've already done a podcast. Like let me. I want to do like let me use that mentality of like especially in new media land where I can go out and make a movie. And like we've done the same thing. We've done a bunch of shorts as well. And, and, you know, we have plenty of ideas for screenplays. But uh, yeah, we just live in a wonderful world where we can we, we can use your iPhone. And I remember looking up Tangerine and like getting all the specifics of what they use to really create this movie on their phone. And it's, you know, really as far as the like the camera aspect of it, it was like bare bones budget for that, it was, it, which is great, you know, for any inspiring film uh, maker is, is to you know, kind of use tangerine. There's still a budget behind it. And, and I think they, from what I read, like they, the sound mixing and like the post-production was still, they didn't like cheapen up. That's, on the movie. that's they still the, spent money. That's the thing. People will watch movies that are shot on iPhones. People will watch movies that are shot on camcorders. The sound has to be good. Yeah. <laughs> if the sound is bad, if people can't hear what's happening, or if there's just like a long buzz under everything, people will turn it off. That's always yeah. that's always the actual secret of filmmaking is that you, especially in a YouTube era when people are used to watching like low quality uh, video, like you can make a movie with anything, but the sound has to be good. Yeah, because not only – I mean the sound is what makes the movie. That's something that you know I've learned over the last you know four to ten – again, you know I'm still probably more fan when I watch the movie. But over the last few years, I've become more like let me analyze it as like just a you know a, like a filmmaker. And it is – you know whether it's you know the sound effects or the music always is like a key thing that helps. You know, I, I, I forget what movie it was, but it was they, – they showed a scene of the movie without uh, music. It may have been even Red State or, or something that Kevin Smith showed somewhere. And like it was like, oh, this is a good scene. And then he showed the same scene again with the, the, the music underneath of it. And it just instantly transforms that scene into like greatness. I remember the, I saw that at the end of an episode. Do you remember the show Wishbone? No, no. Okay, so this is a PBS show. Maybe like this, you you aged out of seeing PBS shows by the time this was on the air. But uh, this it was a PBS show about like a Jack Russell Terrier that ran around with like these kids, oh, and God. it read now books, and, it, and then they would just put this like fucking dog in costumes, and it'd be like, all right, now it's the Red Badge of Courage, <laughs> and and then they would do like little special 
things after the episodes. And one thing I saw was like, this is how we made this thing. And it's like, here's how important music is. And it was David and Goliath. And it was like, here's here's Goliath exiting the tent. And it's this big boom, boom, boom. And he's like crawling out. And he's unfurling his giant limbs. And it's like, actually, here's that same clip without any music. And it's just a guy getting out of a tent. <laughs> and I remember like being a child and being like, what is going on right now? Because I'd never <laughs> even considered like the importance of film music. It, yeah, I mean, it would be a great little study, like, to take some of your childhood favorites. Like, for me, that's Back to the Future, uh, Star Wars, and Indiana Jones. And, like, taking one of those movies and just stripping all the music and sound effects out of it so it's just, like, the the actors acting and how different that movie would be. You, you know what I heard exists? This is This is hearsay. But someone – I think someone has seen this. This is like the clown who cried, like the lost Jerry Lewis movie. But like okay. the uh, – Tim Burton, uh, Mars Attacks, he, oh. has, he has a print of Mars Attacks without any of the special effects on it. So oh, it's wow. just people running around reacting to non-existent Martians and like tennis balls on sticks. And apparently like he's shown it to people and it's like one of the funniest things ever made. Well, yeah, because that movie is even with all the special effects. I remember. I, I no, I haven't seen it. I've maybe watched it on DVD or VHS once, but I know I definitely went to go see it in in theater because I don't I don't know how old I was at this point, but I went to go see it with my at least my dad, and I went to go. I was like, hey, I want to go see this because Michael J. Fox is in it. Love Michael J. Fox, and we went to go see it, and it's it's it's. it's I remember liking it and it being a fun little movie, but you know, just kind of picturing back now in my 32 year old brain, like it's gotta be a pretty campy movie and seeing it without all that special effects. I feel like would be like an experience. That's actually pretty good. Pretty fun. Especially like it was like, it would just be a shot of blank space and then it would cut to a crazy reaction shot. (laughs) Like, cause they had to, I guess they had to edit the whole movie before the special effects even started. Cause that was, that was the early days of CG. I don't think they had hammered out the way it all does, but uh, yeah, speaking of uh, stripping out the effects, Oh, wait, wait. No, no, was... no that, that, speaking of stripping out the effects, Mars attacks without the effects. Sorry about that. Okay, okay. I was like, wait, there's more. Did you cut out? I was just giving uh, it like a really pregnant pause. Yes. Oh, don't worry. It will sound like that yeah. in, in, in post when I, when I, blunt, when I fix my uh, stepping all over it. Mm-hmm. Um, so with podcasting, what, what came for, first? Your love of film uh, and that led to podcasting? I, fe- I feel like that's everyone's story is like, well, I really like talking about it, so I decided to do a podcast. But um what what where did podcasting come into your life well what's, what's interesting is you bring up you bring up new media before i was i always loved film and I, but before i was a filmmaker or a film podcaster i was a musician and i did diy folk music which is basically you just you know you go around in different people's living rooms and you put on shows and it's just all acoustic you know instruments and stuff and i was in that that's fascinating s- so i was in that scene for a while in chicago and i met uh jim laskowski who he runs the Now Playing Network. He's a big podcaster now. He he is still on Directors Club. Um, and so we became friends, and we would have long conversations about movies because he's also a film nut. And then he eventually said, this should be a podcast. And I said, you're crazy. No one wants to listen to us talk. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're just a couple of doofuses. Uh, but, uh, you know, we did – we recorded a couple things and then he came up with the concept of doing a show where each episode covered a director, different director. And I said, yeah, sure, whatever. And I – in my head, I was like, you know, if 
like a dozen people who we've never heard of listen to it, uh, that would be a real coup. And I would and yeah. I and so, and I would have to admit to Jim that I was wrong and that it was interesting and that we had something to say. And then like by the end of it, it was like a thousand downloads an episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great. So it was it was definitely a thing like I kind of relu- was reluctantly pushed into, and it turned out mm-hmm. to be really good. And that did that lead to Tracks of the Damned? Yeah, because I did. I had done that for years and years, and um, it was like last year. I was just sort of getting burnt out on it. It's a really grueling schedule. There's no breaks. Uh, it's you know an episode every two weeks, and it kind of can cut into what you can watch just on your own time because you again you have to feel that fill that space. And I would watch you know I would watch six John Houston movies and I'd say, well, I'm not enough of a John Houston expert. I need to see this, this, and this. And mm-hmm. it would just consume my life. So eventually I just got burnt out and I quit that. And I had a good nine months where I said, I don't need a podcast. And then that itch started to come back. Oh my God. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I mean, I'm the same way when it comes to getting that itch. I mean, I, I my longest gap was like two years before, you know, I started this show up, maybe even three years. I forget how long. Um, and every like every single month almost, I was like, God, I really just want to podcast again. And like, obviously, having the kids was a big reason why I stopped. But um, now that they're older and whatnot, I was like, there's really no reason for me not to be doing this now. And like, I was coming up with ideas, like, but all these require a, a co-host that I need every single week. And like, there's no way that with me being a dad that I can get people to like join up with me every single week without being inconvenient for somebody. So like this, this show is perfect where I have a new co-host every single week. Yeah. That's, uh, that and- was definitely a motivating factor for tracks as well as I was trying to think of something I could do alone. Cause I didn't know, cause I, it wasn't Jim's thing necessarily. And I was trying, and I didn't know anyone else who would be their thing. And also I just, I wanted, to, <laughs> I, I wanted more control, I guess, over like what the mm-hmm. final product was so it was definitely well a commentary track something you could record on your own without a guest or anything i also got yeah i got tired of like talking to different guests with through skype and then having different problems every time so it was like just look i can sit in my living room at my convenience and record an episode of tracks of the damned that's that was a good format for me yeah, no, and that's, you know, whereas I, it's hard for me, I've done plenty of podcasts where I've just, not like as, like a whole show, but certain episodes where I'd sit around and talk by myself, uh, I can easily fill, I'm a big talker, I can easily fill, you know, an hour conversation, just me sitting here talking to myself. Sure. Uh, but it's, which is completely different than like the commentary. The nice thing about the commentary is that like, you don't have to fill the whole time, you know, if you're actually if you're the expectation is that the audience is going to sit there and listen to it as they watch the movie as well. It's it's <laughs> that is absolutely true. It's also a hard thing for me to remember because I have those podcasting instincts that dead air is dead air. Yeah. And so like whenever there's an eight second stretch of movie where I don't have anything to say, I start panicking. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's like that as a as a listener. And I was listening, watching the movie, too. I was like, oh, my God what's he doing? <laughs> like, like, and not in like a bad way, but like, it's as a podcaster, like I could, I could feel that. I'm like, yeah, it, it's gotta be for me. Like it would be impossible. I think it would be impossible for me to properly do um, a commentary track on my own, at least because there, I would feel the need to talk every single second, uh, which is, you know, not necessary. I think uh, for, for your podcast, but and and also, 
just you may feel that need, but what are you going to say every single second is always <laughs> I, the problem. I uh, I um I did an episode uh, on short films because I really love short films. So and I figured it was also a good way to get other people to do podcasts or to do commentary tracks. So I asked a bunch of my friends to record their own commentary tracks for short horror films that they like, and. I sort of realized like, oh, this is this is actually very hard. And I guess I have gotten good at it because all these people like trying their hand at doing commentaries for the first time. My friend, he chose a uh, experimental film that's totally abstract. And it's 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 a scary movie, but it's also very abstract. So uh, so and that that's Jim, my former co-host and mm-hmm. his commentary track. A lot of it, you could tell he was just trying to fill the air, but because it's not even a story it's just like experimental sort of distortions and like broken images and stuff he's like yeah this is this is really something this is <laughs> <laughs> and it's like as a you know he doesn't have like this grand theory it's like oh this represents this this represents this he likes it because of the just you know effect of watching it but yeah filling that time even if it's only like a 10 minute film like can be really daunting it's and and I gotta say what I, both um, now I didn't listen to the directors club at all but I you know I, I did see that I think on on the website uh, I think you're all linked together yeah um, we're all on the uh, now playing network and uh, but you you talking about that and and this podcast it is a it's a good like uh, hook which I as the podcast that doesn't have a hook it's right. me just sitting around talking to people is it's good you're supposed to you know. As a podcast, you're supposed to have a hook. You're supposed to have something to, to that's different. Like yeah. I have buddies that sit around and talk about movies, um, and I I listen to it on a regular basis, and I, I love it dearly and and whatnot. Uh, but it is just two friends sitting around talking about a movie. There's real no hook to it. Uh, whereas like this is you know strictly commentary on horror film, uh, and uh, you know the directors club sounds like that actually sounds like a fascinating hook to you know every two weeks you're doing one director and his catalog of work uh though i can imagine as the you know same reason why you you uh left that podcast just the amount of work especially if you did 15 hours on scream one the amount of work necessary to get an episode of the director's club out's gotta be insane yeah that was that's a lot it was a lot especially one the the real problem was i I motivate myself in that way like i could have been lazy and just watched, you know, four movies and and just said what I had to say about those four movies. But, like, what would happen is I would start getting into a director and I'd get excited. And then I'd be like, okay, well, now I have to. So then I'd look up, like, oh, maybe there's some articles. Maybe there's an autobiography I could read. Maybe there's – yeah, it would get to be a lot of – and I guess that's – I guess that's what I've chosen for myself because I, I didn't replace that with a podcast that was less work. <laughs> And now, and this one is this biweekly as well, or is it weekly? So this is a seasonal podcast, and this oh, is okay. this is the the plan I've devised to make um, so I don't burn out. Which is I'm going to do it's a weekly podcast, and it's 20 episodes a season. So I start the first Friday of July, and I go into November, and then I'm done until the next July. So my last episode is actually coming up. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, is the sort of season finale. And it, it works on a couple levels for me. One is, again, I work really hard at it, but I have I can see that end, so it doesn't feel like Sisyphus, <laughs> you know? It, it it's like I can actually I can actually say, look, you're this you're getting burnt out on this, but you're only gonna have to do this for another two months. Um 
And then on the other hand, it's also like, you know, it's a podcast that requires not just more from me, but it requires more from the listener because they, mm. you, I mean, I do have listeners who just listen to the commentary track without watching the movie and they're familiar enough with the movie or they are interested enough what I have to say that they like that just fine. But in general, it's designed to be watched with a movie. And most podcasts are the opposite. Most podcasts yeah. are designed to be fit with every part of your life where you're lonely, basically. Like anytime you're grocery shopping or you're commuting or anything like that, that's what – that's sort of the space that podcasts fill. So asking someone to actually sit down uh, and in their home and listen to a podcast and sync it up to a movie they're going to watch is a lot of work. So to say – you know, to to assume that someone is going to do that every week is a lot, but to assume that someone's going to do that twenty times over the course of a year, that's reasonable. So I figure, you know, even once this season ends, there will be people who will find time and then, oh yeah, I will go back and check out the, you know, uh, Mask of the Red Death episode or whatever. That yeah, because the the I mean, and God bless the people that um, listen to it when they're not actually watching the movie, uh, because not that. It's. I find it difficult because that's where I think the dead air comes into play. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I mean, other than that, like, like I said, that dead air is. It's a nice reprieve when you're actually sitting down watching the movie, uh, and it's it's. You're right. I've even heard. I would say I don't know if I'll call them commentary tracks, but we'll call them commentary tracks. Like Kevin Smith is big on running, a, you know, doing a commentary on an episode of a show that he likes or on one of his own movies. He's done commentary and uh, as a podcast, and it's very listenable in the car. It might be because I'm just super familiar with his work or with whatever. Oh yeah, you know, he's commentating on at that point, but it's also. If he, even if he's by himself, he's a guy that I don't know if it's the talker in him and the podcaster or what, but he doesn't let dead air fly either. Like, no, no, no. Well, he yeah. he is he is a raconteur. Like he, uh, you know, I I am I'm pretty good at speaking, and I I my I keep my wits about me generally, but I am not on the level of of like radio personality of someone like Kevin Smith <laughs> as far as just being able to fill air with my thoughts and opinions. Yeah, and that that's what this show this show is stems from his the original concept for his Fat Man on Batman show. Um and that's why I like to do kind of like, you know, I do the the live intro. I you know, I I, I try to talk up someone. Uh I always like to think that I'm doing a good job like Kevin Smith does, but I end up, you know, he goes on for 5 minutes about somebody. I tend to go about a minute or so. Uh Do you ever and, do second uh, takes? Uh, no, no, no. I think, I think one time, uh, I did and it was in the very, like only because I didn't even get that far into it. Like I stumbled over what the show was. Like I said, you're listening to this week's edition of everything's awesome where we talk to who? And like, <laughs> so, so I was like, let me start that over. And then I, and then I, and I just started from the beginning. If I ever, I don't think I would ever, in the process of my intro, just suddenly stop and say, "Let me do that over," <laughs> because then, it, then it's like, okay, now I'm getting, being a little bit more scripted, and you know, as much of a podcaster I am, and and podcasting is very much about editing at the same time. Most of this, the the nine and a half years I did podcasting was through this live streaming service called Stickcam. Uh, so there was no editing. I mean, I've already live broadcast a two hour show 
out to the world. Why am I going to take out the uhs or the ums? Or even if there was something said that, unless it was really bad. Yeah. And one of my guests said, hey, can you cut that? Or in <laughs> I didn't hindsight, mean to say the N-word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and I'll tell you what, the Kev of 10 years ago, let that go. Like, I, you know, now I would drop, now I cut like anything that's like really like I'm pro-Nazi or, you know, right. uh, dropping the N-word, you know, that... I, I I take that upon myself to cut out, even if my guest is fine with leaving it again. I'm like, yeah, but that's not this show anymore. Like, right. I went from the Howard Sterney type of radio host to the, I, I would like to say the Kevin Smith type of uh, radio host. Sure, where where it's less shock jockey and it's more about the conversation and passion and and whatnot. Yeah, with my intros, I I always have a rough idea of what I'm going to talk about, but I don't script anything, and I am. I it's it's a really bad balance between like I should just do I I should either write what I'm going to say down or I should do what you do and just let the intros be the intros. But I have because I I think it's kind of funny, like I have a folder full of outtakes of me trying to do (laughs) intros and then failing and then just like going, you idiot. No, that's not it. What are you talking about? (laughs) And I eventually I want to release like a bonus episode that is just that is just called the existential crisis tunnel. And I just want to like put all of the that like deleted footage of me berating myself because it's, you know, I I, I go into a monologue at the opening of an episode and Mm -hmm. and part of it is. Uh, just sort of autobiographical where I'm just like talking about what happened to me during my day or whatever, but I find a way to dovetail that into what the episode is going to be. Or if it's, I have something very specific to say about the film I'm going to be talking about. I'll <clears throat> excuse me, say something about that. But um, the, but I get really in my head about those intros and I have a friend who does, uh, who does an interview show and his is even more buttoned down, very NPR style. Oh. And we both, like commiserate over <laughs> just the wasted hours of like trying to and and the worst part is you hit record and then there's that pause and then you just see that line growing and you're like you better say something you have to say something and it's always that you, the more you wait to say you know welcome to yeah. tracks of the damned or whatever you're like uh, uh. yeah i mean that was certainly like so when every now and then i'll do a pre-intro uh, or if it's like a part two conversation, I do a pre-recorded intro um, for the second, you know, episode in that in that conversation. Uh, that is rarely scripted. Every every now and then, I might have something written down, and that's usually just notes. But I try I try to stay away from writing things down and then reading off that paper because when I do that, I talk way faster than my mind can process. So I always, always have to like, that's if I saved um, those audio files, it would be because I record on my on my phone uh, and when I do the pre intro or the post uh, the post show outro, if it's to, to break up an episode. And if I saved all those audio files on my phone, it would be hours, just like you said, of me stumbling. Not even funny. It just wouldn't be funny because it wouldn't no. be me. It wouldn't be me. I mean, I might say. God damn it. But like, it's not me belittling myself or anything. It's me just tripping over words saying, God damn it. All right, let's do it. take two. And uh, so it wouldn't be as funny as what, what you got. I think I had I, now I also produce another podcast and sometimes, you know, my only involvement as an on air personality is usually like if uh, if I want to plug one of my live shows or if there's something that I need to inform the audience of, I kind of am that like the narrator of that podcast in a sense. Uh, and that 
is usually again not scripted. I, I don't, I'm not a big scripter because I feel like I, it just would be terrible. It just would be terrible. But I am off the cuff, and then if I stumble over something, then usually I can just say, "Take a second. You'll you can edit this, and then right. I, I'll, I'll recut from halfway in there." Um, so I do have I have that. I do read record intros if they're not live during the actual interview like we did here today. But other than that, it's, um, you know, it's all very Kevin Smithy, I think. I, uh, my favorite, uh, podcast, um, uh, I, 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 my favorite radio show is The Best Show with, uh, Tom Sharpling. And that used to be on the air on WFMU and now it's a podcast form. But, uh, my favorite, like, just enthusiast kind of podcast is Idle Thumbs, uh, their video game podcast. And okay. they, not anymore, but, during the first, I'd say, like, 100 episodes, they were constantly doing weird uh, experimental stuff and structural stuff and, like, editing in sound effect and musics and, like, reshaping the conversation so that, like, the chronology's all messed up and then, like, a joke that's – a reference that's made up top you don't understand until you get to the end. Oh, and okay. I, I've always been fascinated at the malleability of – like radio and different things mm. you could do. And mm. that eventually, uh, definitely like once I started to do director's club for a while and started to feel like I got the same, do the same thing. I would do whatever I could to shake things up where like one episode I did, we just, I just recorded a four hour conversation that, you know, about 45 minutes in the episode started and then about 20 minutes, <laughs> like, and then there's about 20 minutes of after time, like, where, like, the, the episode of Tracks of, the De- or of uh, Director's Club happened within the episode, but it isn't. Oh, that's cool. And, like, I've done, and, like, different things with audio mixing and, again, like, and I I don't really have that luxury of Tracks of the Dam because it has to actually, you know, temporarily speaking, like, sync up with the movie you're watching, but um, I've always convinced that that is what's going to happen eventually is I will find a way to make what I'm doing weirder and different and surprise people. Um, do you feel like, do you ever feel that like you want to mess with the form and the structure Earl, or do you just, you just like the conversation? So, I mean, I have, what I like to do every now and then, and I don't think it really um, messes with the format of the show, but there are, for instance, that one, uh, ep- the one episode where I, I, I muffed the, the intro, anything that's fun like that, or if something really extremely funny happens, I do like to take that clip and put it at the beginning of the episode. Um, and, and so it will be the clip and then it will be the intro, like the music, and then it will be me uh, and the show starting. Uh, so I, that's the most I usually do with this show. Um, there's other shows that I, I, I kind of do a similar thing with all the shows that I'm I'm involved with where I'll find, you know what, this is just really funny and it means nothing until you're in the middle of the show. Yeah. I, uh, I also host a, a podcast called Late to the Game of Thrones and I just started watching Game of Thrones a couple weeks ago, probably about 15 weeks ago. And my buddy has been a fan of it since it's aired on TV and, and he's not a fan of the books. I think he's read the, like, the Cliff Notes versions, but um, so you know, he said, you need to watch the show. You need to watch the show. I'll tell you what you watch the show. We'll do a podcast about it. And, you know, generally if you're going to say, I'll do a podcast with you, I'm going to say, okay, let's do it. And, um, we were sitting outside at a restaurant and that, this is the, the, this 
uh, late to the games podcast is one where we don't record like I'm sitting in front of my computer using a blue snowball. You know, it's more a little bit more advanced than than me on my phone. We tend to record. I hit I have I download like a voice recorder pro seven on my iPhone takes really high audio when with through the iPhone uh, microphone. And so we'll record through that. And we, and, and I don't really concern myself with the quality on that. So we were sitting outside a restaurant eating lunch, uh, having the noise go by us, you know, cause we were sitting right on the road, uh, recording the episode. And like, I'm deathly afraid of bees, deathly. Uh, and there was a bee flying around and all of a sudden, like, we have this little conversation about the bee, but it went away. And then suddenly my friend said, oh, it's back near your arm. And I like <laughs> flip out. And that whole little bee sequence, I did. I edited it to to like in between the two talks about the bee. There was some Game of Thrones talk. So I took that out and left all the bee stuff as one audio file to put it at the head of the show. So it was that little little bee clip you know, that no one would really get the context of until you listen to the rest of the episode. So I, I'll do that. Um, and... I have the idea to be a little bit more experimental um, with bonus episodes and stuff like that because um, I'm not I'm not against it. I'm 100 percent the guy that's like find a way like, you know, we had International Podcaster Day on September 30th. Uh, and my, I put a challenge out there for people to start a podcast or at least, you know, just record one podcast and see what happens with it. And then for current podcasts, just do something, you know, different that you're, that, that, uh, you know, that you don't normally do. And so for myself, it was to, okay, get Kevin Smith on the show. If you can't get Kevin Smith on the show, episode 37, is just going to be you talking about Kevin Smith for an hour. Um, <laughs> and it turned, I mean, it, it's, it turned into, um, you know, obviously I didn't get Kevin Smith on the show and I think it was ended up being like a half hour, 45 minutes uh, of me talking about Kevin Smith, but also linking it to my personal life because because uh, my uncle uh, is the guy who introduced me to Kevin Smith. He the first Kevin Smith movie I saw was Clerks, rightfully so. Oh, I was yeah. probably um, I don't think I saw it in 94, but I think I saw it shortly thereafter. He showed it to me in like I think I was twelve years old, so it was probably ninety six when he showed it to me. Uh, way inappropriate age for me to be watching Clerks, but he showed me Clerks, and and my uncle, you know, at the time was you know having a hard fight with cancer, uh, and um, so I was so, so like it got really emotional because it was like you know it was it was me talking about my uncle and 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 how he links me to so many things in my life how i give kevin smith a lot of credit for being the person i am but really it all kind of starts with my uncle uh so that was like the experimental thing i did mm-hmm. um for international podcaster day because i think that episode dropped like two days before the 30th um but yeah no i'm all for like experimental I, things I think, like i think I, I think people like to be surprised i think i think there's there's a sort of not necessarily contradiction, but there's sort of uh, a tension between people like to listen to a podcast knowing what they're going to get. Like if totally different people are hosting it every episode, they're eventually going to go, well, that I don't know what this is going to be. I don't want to listen yeah. anymore. But like and people generally they go, I like this because and they want the things they like to still be there. But people yeah. also, I think, really like to be pleasantly surprised um, on Director's Club. We did parody songs where. Every there were two segments. There was what we watched this week, and then there was the directors, and we would do two parody songs every episode, and that was like a really simple thing that we did to, you know, it builds attention of oh, I wonder what the songs are going to be, and then you would hear it, and then you would 
and you know you either get what the song is when you first hear the song come in or you don't and you would try to figure out what's going to happen or how they're going to tie it in but like i think that was my idea too because i had listened to a uh adam carolla network podcast called daves of thunder and they had parody songs to introduce every character and it was this fun thing as a listener to be like oh when's the next parody song going to come in like to have that little surprise and i always try to surprise the listener in some way like give the listener a pleasant surprise while not completely like disrespecting what they enjoy about the show to begin with yeah yeah no, and that's I, I I would say that I probably now we this we're coming up on uh, probably by the time we this airs we've already passed the uh, live show we're doing in November, but that's kind of like where you know I, I, hopefully I'm hoping like six times a year you're going to get a, a, a random episode of me doing late night television. Basically. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean that's that to me is like the like the whole reason I kind of. Not the whole reason, but a dream of mine when I restarted podcasting was I want to take this to to a live show. Like I want to do this on a stage, so to speak. And it was I mean, it took a couple. It didn't take long. I mean, it took a couple months to get to that point with the Philadelphia Podcast Fest. And it was it was interesting because as soon as I got accepted, I was like, oh, shit, what am I going to do now? Like, how am I going to do this show where I sit around and talk for an hour? How am I going to make this interesting for a live audience? And I was talking to my buddy who ended up he's ends up being my co-host on on that show for the late night version uh and he's like well why don't you do like something like late night like kind of spin it that way and I'm like dude that's fuck I could kiss you that's fucking genius man like cuz back I would say when stick cam I don't know if you ever heard of stick cam but that was no. like No it's you said it was like, a streaming service Yeah it was they're shut down now um but they were like um, they were around when uh, Blog TV was around, and um, what's that? You broadcast or whatever, uh, and it was before YouTube really did live streaming. It was at the time it was probably the most popular live streaming service. It was the it, you know it was the Twitch of its day because uh, I would say Twitch is probably the most famous one now. Sure, um, but it was truly the Twitch of its day. Uh, and you know, when we were doing that, like we, uh, very briefly, we started like a, a, it was a video broadcast. So it was live video audio broadcast. And we, we, we did like maybe one or two episodes of like happy hour late night, which was the name of I did happy hour with steel tip was the name of the normal podcast. Long story short for that, for you, Patrick, is that I used to wrestle under the name steel tip. Pretty I did, good. I, I, I stopped wrestling because I broke my ankle uh, and started a podcast, and I kept that personality for a while. Uh, my audience knows it. I'm sure they hate when I bring it up because, like, God damn it, he's going to tell the ten hour story tell again. His, he's going to tell it. He's going to share his old glory wrestling days. <laughs> yeah, he's like, we've heard it enough. Guys, All right, granddad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guarantee you, at least half our audience feels that way. I ever tell you kids about the time with the steel chair and the revolting blob? Yes, granddad. We no. Um, no, nothing but, nothing worse than a nostalgic professional professional wrestler oh my god that, that's <laughs> me and like and, and and i the most i did was local you know uh suburbs of philly wrestling so yeah. it's not like i have any claim to fame but i still t- like there was people when i walked around staples that said yo steel tip and i'd be <laughs> like yeah buddy that's great yeah uh, yeah i mean that was that that's you know that's all i ever wanted was like that kind of recognition i was happy with it oh but, i was actually going to ask you but maybe that answers my question when you're doing the live shows and you're podcasting live and there's an audience and suddenly you're 
no longer just, you know, right now it's just me and you talking. And suddenly you also have all of these people who aren't talking but watching you and are expected to be entertained. Is that a lot of pressure for you? Or oh, do my you- God. Yes. So so I'll tell you. So I did um, a live show back in 2006 or 2007 or whatever. Like the first podcast I ever did, we did a live show pretty quickly. But that was no pressure. It was me. It was like four other guys that were like kind of roundtabling it. And then we also were more of an MC for a music event. No pressure there. Uh, it took 10 years or nine years from there to do a next live show at the Philadelphia Podcast Fest. And the, I mean, one of the main reasons I brought on a someone to play the Ed McMahon role was because I don't want to be on stage by myself. And the amount of pressure that I felt, not necessarily leading up to it, but the day of was insane. And I still feel like I failed because the first 20 minutes was me trying to do late night monologuing. And I'm not that funny, it turns out. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but as soon as I said that, you've just decided to do stand up. (laughs) Yeah, it was, yeah. And and it was, went on way too long and like we did trivia as well. So like, it wasn't just me monologuing. Like we also did a trivia, but like, we'll say if that, if, if point A of the start to, to point B of me sitting down to talk somebody, it took 20 minutes to get to that point. Um, and it was far too long. Uh, but once I sat down and started talking to my first guest, that's where, that's where I shine. Like I can sit down, I can hold a conversation. I can be funny naturally in just a natural conversation. Um, and you know, we just had fun with it. And, uh, I mean, you know, I didn't suck enough to where they didn't like the, the, the guy who was running sound. He's like, I want to start doing podcasts. He owns a music store in my, in my music store. So can you come do a show in September? And I was like, well, I can't do September or October, but I can do November. That's nice. He said sold. So like, I mean, we were invited back into the city of Philadelphia onto South street to do another live show. Um, that hopefully is going to go over swell. Uh, and in fact, because this is happening, this is being aired after that we after we did that show, it 100% went off without a hitch. Oh, yeah. Um, but we did actually, we actually ended Unless up going Philadelphia up to New York. Unless Philadelphia doesn't exist anymore, then people are going to be really confused. What are you talking about? Godzilla rose from the sea and stomped it out of the ground. In 2216, in 200 years, when this, when this episode airs, they're going to say, Philadelphia? Yeah. Where, where is that in the, in the Republic of Trump? Yeah, alien, um, alien... Uh, historians will will <laughs> yeah. be very confused by the the timestamp of this yes uh but th- we also went up to new york and did a live show right around the weekend of new york comic-con um and that one um w- there was some pressure w- leading up to it but then because it was a colossal train wreck like there was no sound guy so we literally had to play our theme song through a phone into the microphone like I walked out onto this, I do like a very sticking to my wrestling days. I do an intro, like I come out, like oh to, sure, I come out to music. The, the Philadelphia Live Show, it was our a play, it was a, a modified version of of our theme song for this show with like a late night feel to it, with my co-host announcing the guests and whatnot. To uh, you know, for the first one, I thought it was appropriate to come out to everything is awesome from the Lego uh, movie. Sure. And so I come out and do like a wrestling intro. I take selfies with the crowd and whatnot and do my thing. Uh, in in uh, New York, it was because we were doing going in a uh, hell's kitchen. I decided to use um, the song bring me to life, which is from the, the Ben Affleck daredevil movie. Um, and it was, uh, because I heard it through a microphone, 
it was I just came out like walking like Charlie Brown and (laughs) there instantly was no pressure because it was like, well, this is going to be the show, guys. Like, it's going to be a train wreck. Yeah. And 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 we you know, I still haven't listened to that. I still haven't edited it. I still haven't released it. I I think the New York show is going to be released sometime in the either the end of November or or the beginning of December because um, it needs a lot of editing. It just was not um, – it was just a train wreck. Uh, so so I'm glad to be doing it in Philly again with professional sound people. Um, we, we just finalized our guests. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that we did, but I want to assume that we did. We had um, Jeff Stormer from the Party of One podcast on, uh, and we had uh, Nicholas Reed uh, from the Danger Club uh, band on as our musical guest and it was it was a grand old time i'm sure uh but yeah it's a lot of fun doing like i you know i even think that like a show like yours is something that would work in a live format like i have seen uh there was a there was a series that went on for a while do you, you know the uh, group everything is terrible i should but i don't okay so everything is terrible basically they find like crazy things from like public television or old VHS tapes or whatever. And they make videos and they put them on YouTube and they've made like movies that are just like 80 minute compilations of just like crazy shit, like from Christian scare videos or like televangelists and stuff like that. Um, So they had a, so they're based in Chicago. So they sometimes do some events here and they had a series for a while where you would go um, to this club and they had, you know, seating and they would project a lifetime original movie and then they would have four comedians doing like a sort of MST3K over it. That's genius. And yeah, yeah I, it was pretty fun. Um, and there were really good comedians there. So that was fun. But I, as far as like doing it uh, for a crowd, I don't, I don't like the logistics of that seem crazy to me. I, I mean, it's, um, I don't know. I, it's something that I mean. There, there you go. That's like your 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 next year's podcasting day challenge. Like yeah, I guess so. In 2017, try to do a live show. Like, does Chicago have a podcast fest or anything? It does. It has. It it has a, a podcast fest. Um, I I'm not familiar with it. <laughs> I've uh, never I've never been involved in any uh, sort of podcast convention or festival or anything like that. Well, like, well, see, the nice thing about the Philadelphia one, it's very indie first. It's very indie friendly. Um, it's not like it's it's free to come in and, and join and, and watch and, and whatnot. Uh, it's I mean, it literally is uh, there's two main venues usually. And then sometimes there's random venues throughout the throughout the city. Um, but it's you know, it's it's just really low key. It's not like, uh, LA's podcast fest, which I, I'm not sure if that's free to free to go to or not, but, and it's, it's not even like New York's comic or New York, definitely not like New York comic con, but it's definitely not like New York's podcast fest. Cause that I think is actually in, I think that I don't, you know what? I don't know if they have one in the city itself. I think it's like outside of the city in Jersey somewhere. Um, and it's, it's same, it's same deal. It's not necessarily, it's like, Big time. It's like all the big names in podcasting. So the thing I love about the Philadelphia one is, and I would say we have some big names. Like there's uh, Sex with Tamara, um, who like they, they, I've heard of that podcast for years. Uh, the Overdue podcast, which is a podcast on Jake and Amir's podcast network, um, Headgum. They're they're you know based out of Philly, so they do their podcast there. So there are big names, but I guess they're more so big indie names. And then there's the rest of us little Joes sure. that, that do it. But um, 
even like to perform in front of 20 people i think we had you know i think the audience that we did was like 20 to 30 people um that's cool like that was just a fun experience and uh i think that you know i don't know i, I always find a way I, I like how can i do every podcast i do in front of a crowd um yeah. and i would be like it would be interesting to see your show like in front of a crowd, you know, obviously mod- like that's the thing with everything is awesome. We had to modify our show to be a, a, a live audience friendly tracks of the damned. I'm sure is the same way you have to modify it to yeah. be live audience friendly. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've definitely got me thinking down this course now. I, it was I, a thing I had dismissed, but now I'm like, but yeah, hey, I do know a guy who owns a bed sheet and a projector. Like, <laughs> hey, and I'll tell you what, if you come to Philly, like in August of 2017, I, you know, our, their goal is just to have more and more podcasts every year. I don't think they necessarily have to be from Philly. So if you come to Philly, uh, I could probably hook you up with a podcast fest. That'd be dope. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and I'll tell you, and, uh, just to, before we wrap up here, um, I, uh, you know, through the dealing with my, my uncle over the last couple uh, months and whatnot, um, I've been, you know, listening to certain podcasts uh, to like kind of help me get through it. And Chicago is just got some of the best yeah. podcasts out there. Um, I, to, I'm going to give a shout out to um, the campaign podcast, uh, part of the one shot podcast network, which I think is all based out in Chicago there. Uh, and I think it helps that they're all comedians and whatnot, which I, I, I feel like out of everything I've listened to that, you know, podcast with comedians on, I feel like Chicago has so far been like in first place with everything. Like they have, you guys have some really funny people out there. Chicago but- is a good mix of uh, – it's like a public radio town. WBEZ is out here. So this is where like This American Life and Wait, Wait, Don't Tell yeah. Me and a lot okay. of similar shows. Like they all come out of here. The, it's a huge improv and sketch comedy town. There's yeah. so many improv and sketch comedy theaters and it is a big stand-up town as well. So like it's a good it's a good environment for that kind of podcast for sure. And and the campaign podcast is a Star Wars, um, uh, like whatever. It's not D and D, but whatever the Star Wars version of D and D is, Dungeons and Dragons. That's it's it's, uh, it's it's a role playing game for Star Wars, and like that, you know, I I got I started watching Star Wars because of my uncle. He you know the first time I ever watched New Hope was with him, and um, just because they are. You know, there's. I, I don't know if you listen to to these role playing podcasts. I think they're some of the funniest things out there because they're telling a story as well. The D and D podcast that Penny Arcade did back in the day, I were oh, I, I was really into those. Yeah, yeah. and um, I've listened to a, a couple more since, but uh, not not like uh, regularly. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, you know, just because you're from Chicago, uh, they're not. I'm not saying they're my favorite D and D podcast because I know people that do D and D podcasts. You know, there's like four or five of them that I listen to, and I think they're all great in their own special way. Um, the campaign holds a special place in my heart because it is Star Wars, uh, and the, the the people involved are like, mo- I think two or three of them are like improv guys, and they're just always in character. It's rare that they're not actually in character during that podcast so it's like it's just so funny and uh if i would say you know pat you know pat if you want to get into another one uh campaign's the one to go with it is so so funny i'll have to check that out um but uh so let's um where can people find you on the internet's 
Um, so I'm part of the Now Playing Network. So that's at nowplayingnetwork.net. Um, I'm on iTunes, Tracks of the Damned. I'm I'm at Twitter at Damn Tracks. Uh, I have a Facebook page, Tracks of the Damned. I'm not on Tumblr yet. I have not cracked that environment. But uh, as soon as I figure out how to make a GIF, I'm sure I'll be on there as well. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. Uh, Generally speaking, uh, hold on, just, I think it's, yeah, nowplayingnetwork.net slash tracks of the damned is where you can find my podcast. I'll tell you what, I don't, Tumblr is a thing that I did for a while, but I don't like, I, again, uh, you know, I say this a lot on the show though. Normally it's about Snapchat. Uh, I like, I'm at that age now where things start to scare me. I'm an IT guy. So I, I try to stay hip with the technology, Sure, but like when it comes to social media, like I just started embracing Instagram and I don't even think I'm embracing that fully, no. but like snap, Snapchat scares me. Like I, I don't doubt I, someone told me to download it. I think I downloaded it a few years ago. I tried using it. It like, I couldn't figure it out. And I said, I'm just going to delete this. Like I'll stick with my Twitter. Like Twitter's my, yeah. I, I prefer Twitter all the way. Well, I mean, I think that is what makes those things appealing uh, to the young people is that they have the time and their brains are still soft. We're old men who have hardened <laughs> brains and learning new things. It's hard, but like young people, they see Snapchat and they just see like new opportunities and new venues for humor. So I mean, that's what made Vine so great is making a yeah. good Vine is really, really hard. And so the people who got good at it built up that very specific, uh, technical expertise as well as a sensibility and it became its own you know like a vine isn't really the same as sketch comedy a vine is its own sort of brand of humor i think that's what makes those things great is that old guys like us are kept out <laughs> yeah i mean i guess keep me out of everything but the you know i guess twitter is where i'm gonna go and die sure yeah yeah that's all i really know but uh uh, you can find me on Twitter at that nerdy Kev. You can find this show on Twitter at Real Awesome Pod. But most importantly, you can find this show on AwesomePodcast.com. While you're on iTunes, subscribing to Tracks of the Dams, make sure you leave a five star review for that podcast. It helps get more eyes and ears on his show. Uh, and while you're there, of course, I'm going to be a little selfish. Make sure you search for Everything Is Awesome. Subscribe. Leave a five star review. Uh, and a rating and whatnot. Uh, iTunes math does wonders for shows like us. Uh, a couple indie guys that are doing podcasts. We need all the help we can get. Do it. It's true. Um, and, uh, you know, for everything is awesome. I'm Kev. Uh, thanks again for being on the show, Patrick. It was a pleasure talking to you. I feel like we didn't really get into much of anything except for scream and, and a little bit of podcasting. So I feel like we'll have to have you on again at some point, maybe next Halloween for your season two. I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so for everything is awesome. We'll see you next time right here on awesome podcast.com.